Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok's story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I'm Madame Askew, and I recognize some of your faces, but I don't think I've ever met everyone. So who has not met me before? All right, a few people. Fewer than I thought. Not wearing my glasses, so I'm going to blame some of my blindness on that. And the rest I'm going to blame on the sheer insanity that runs around in my head. So it's very nice to meet you. Those are... Shut up. What? My phone is on. I'm so sorry. It's terrible. All right, there we go. So, uh, to those I have not met, my name is Madame Askew. I'm the president of the Tucson Steampunk Society uh, here in Tucson. That's shocking. And uh, I'm also a costume maker. I've been sewing for about um, a long time, two decades. And um, I, I started with hand sewing and embroidery and handicrafts before that. So I've been doing some sort of stitchery for something like 35 years. So I have a lot of experience with fabric and thread. And um, I love costume and fashion. Been doing steampunk uh, very seriously for almost six years now. Before that, I was just intrigued and excited and liked the books. And I had no idea people wore costumes. I remember that moment when I did a Google search looking for something steampunk to read because I did not want to read the difference engine for the millionth time. I wanted a new read. And that's when, I know, but like if you don't know, if you, th- you think that's all you've got, um, then it's so exciting. So I do a Google search, sort of like your first entry sometimes, and suddenly there are all these pictures of people in steampunk costume. I'm like, wait a minute. You can do that? Fantastic. This is much better than swing dance clothes. They're gears. So um, as a background addition, I have made costumes probably for almost every era from the 12th century through the 1960s. I, I wore the 1970s. I don't need to make those costumes. <laughs> I endured that as well as the 1980s, which I remember very well. And I did have my flannel period. We're not going to talk more about that. So, um, so I've done all of that. So I'd already done historical costuming. I was thrilled that there was this field of dress that it was related to this fiction that I already loved and that it would draw my historical costuming background, but it unleashed me like the Kraken. I could throw 1880s with 1840s and no one would care. No, no one would look at my seams. No one ever asked me, so did you finish that garment? Like, you know, the Milanese technique or is this sort of a French thing? I'd be like, oh, Rubbish with that, no one cares. So um, that's my entry into making costume uh, for steampunk. The other thing that sort of got me started on making my own from scratch is that I really have a hard time finding things off the rack. I'm short, I'm five foot three, and I have some large tracts of land. And... um, 
So when looking at corsetry, I discovered that uh, they're, they're usually made for a C cup or smaller. And that doesn't work in my case. So then I looked at the custom corsets, and I can sew, right? And my first thought was, oh, I don't want to pay that. I'll make my own. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, now I make them professionally. But that first corset that I had like a week to make for the first Wild Wild West Con was the most utterly ridiculous plan I ever had in my life. There were tears, but I made it. So um, that's how I got into making. Now, the thing is, I sew and I already sewed. And I, I knew that I wanted to make my own from scratch because of my body shape, because it's hard for me to mar buy modern clothes off the rack. So it's equally and sometimes more difficult for me to find historical garments off the rack. Now, that may seem intimidating if you also have challenges in that regard. So while I chose to solve that problem through making my own, that's not the only solution to making your own steampunk wardrobe. But one of the things I did very conscientiously that I want to share with you um, was that I did approach it as a wardrobe. Now, how many of you have been to like a steampunk fashion panel or steampunk 101, right? And it's usually, oh, uh, look at pictures of other people in their costumes, and, and this is what steampunk can look like. But for me, what I wanted was a wardrobe. I wanted to be able to go to my closet and go, all right, I've got three days of con, and I need something to wear, and, and I can throw all of this together into a blender, and I can wake up in the morning. It's just like pulling open my drawer for a modern everyday, and I can put together a costume. So I approached it very thoughtfully from the beginning as a wardrobe, uh, rather than just individual costumes that go together, because it's cheaper and it gives me more flexibility. So that's what I'd like to talk to you about today, is how to not only have maybe a character that's very specific to you, but how to budget and efficiently have a wardrobe so that you're at a convention or at a do or you're here in Tucson and you're like, oh, the Tucson Steampunk Society has four events a month. I can't keep up with that. I can't make a new costume every event. I need, like, my wardrobe. That's right, isn't it? I mean, we're mad people, so we really do do something on the long lines of three to four events a month. So if you go to everything, you don't want to make a new costume every time. Some people really like the thrift store approach. Some people like to take a, a ready-made garment and make it their own. Some people like to sew. Regardless of your way of approaching how to make the costume, I think the first thing to do is to figure out your hook. What is going to be your defining, unifying feature of your costume? So for me, it came together when I figured out I was Madame Askew. My first steampunk costumes were not red. They were brown. And brown's a great color. I look great in brown. I have red hair. Brown is like the redhead color of the universe. And I used to dress myself like I was a, a forest, an autumn forest. And I would sort of blend in to the rest of the autumn forest um, because it was just not very, it didn't pop. And uh, I didn't rock the brown nearly as much as I thought I was, basically. But those first costumes, I thought I'm going to be a traveling steampunk linguist. I'm going to go out to North Africa and the Near East because I speak Turkish, I study Bulgarian, that'll be perfect. Those are details from my real life I can draw into this character. And so I'm going to make my whole wardrobe look like a traveling steampunk linguist. So I did have a unifying theme, but it was kind of actually rather boring. No one asked me, so why are you wearing brown? No, why, why do you stare at people when they talk? They just, they were like, that's nice that you stare at us when we talk. 
So, <laughs> so I had to come up with something that was going to be more engaging. Now, you could find a way to make the steampunk traveling linguist really engaging, but I failed. That was not my hook that was going to work for me. I think everybody can find their hook. I'll talk about that more in the next panel. That works for them. That's a character that works for them. You have to find that. I, my first thing didn't work for me. It was a flop. But then some friends, I'm looking at her right now, um, one day at an event, they named me Madame Askew. Everyone can blame this woman right here. Your twin, it's like your, yeah, split brain. And so you're getting all of the blame right now. Um, and then I was like, well, Madame Askew is not a steampunk traveling linguist who stares at people very intently. She's, she's into tea heavily. And she has to be more fussy, you know, if you're doing tea. So then I was like, that was my hook, fussier costumes. And then I came up with the red and the black, and it became very easy. I make all of my costumes pretty much, they combine with those colors. So I can go into my wardrobe, and I can pull out anything and throw it together. Oh, that's clean. I wore that for five million years. I need to take it to the cleaners. I can't wear that. That's good. Oh, that has a hole in it. I can't wear that. This will do. It's black. And then it doesn't matter, right? I'm not putting on a costume, putting on clothes. And they all mix and match. And it saves me so much money, right? And it also helps me with shopping. If you've been to a steampunk convention, right, you go into the vendor hall, it's like a cornucopia of awesome. Everything's fantastic. I always want everything. I want a little of this and I want that. No, I want that. And I, I go to Thomas Williford's booth and I'm like, why, why? It's so big and beautiful and it's brown. Yay, I can't have it. It's good, it's brown, I can't have it. So then I always shop with my colors. So that helps me, right? I've always got a game plan. Now. It's true that in my normal everyday wardrobe, I don't necessarily mix and match everything with two colors, but I have my everyday sense of style that helps me navigate shopping, and I've applied that to my steampunk wardrobe. So when you are coming up with your character, your wardrobe, what you're going to do, take some time to think about what colors am I going to use? What style am I going to approach? What is the role I want to have in the steampunk universe? Because you are the author of your role. You get to decide everything. You get to decide how airship pirates look and work. You get to decide how the universe operates. Maybe everyone in your steampunk universe has pink hair. Maybe they all have pink hair. And you're like this? Oh yeah, I know it's the family shade of pink. The McFluffles have, you know, the lighter pink. You can always tell them. And then there are the McAmbersons who have the pink that fuses into red. We don't know how that happens. We think they went to Mars, right? And you can work that. It, obviously, you're both from the pink steampunk universe. It's really beautiful. So um, you get to decide. But it's nice once you have those decisions, it helps guide you. And so when you go to the thrift store, for instance, you can have like your laser focus. These are my colors. This is my style. I like things with lace, or oh, I hate lace. I want things that are, you know, anti-lace, like the anti-lace, anti-matter costume. Um, so I encourage you to have a serious consideration and make that at least mental list of what your features of your costumes are going to be so that they will become interchangeable. That helps it be a wardrobe and not one-off costumes. I will say I'm not anti-one-off costumes. I think those are brilliant. I've seen some truly exquisite pieces that are unique and have to be every piece together and they can't mix and match. But that's not the most efficient or cost-effective way. So if you want to wear a lot of steampunk and you want to have a lot of flexibility, then the wardrobe concept is going to provide that. So once you have these features, it eliminates some of the terror of what to wear. And also because steampunk is so broad, right? 
I don't know how many of you have asked somebody, so what do I wear in steampunk? And they're like, whatever you want. It's very broad. If you ask me, that's pretty much what I'll tell you. Whatever you want. No, what are the rules? There are no rules. Um, there's a list that makes the rounds periodically. That's something like, the top 10 reasons you know you're doing steampunk right, and it's very serious. And it's got all of these dictates about what you have to do, and if you're not doing them, you're doing steampunk wrong. I will set that list on fire. <laughs> I will burn it and spit on it. I don't like it. Don't agree with it. That is not my approach at all. I will never encourage people to do steampunk my way or no way. I'm not going to tell anyone that their steampunk is right or wrong. What I will say is it's fabulous and I love it and I'm in love with it. I really like it. I'm never going to say it's wrong. Right? So that's very broad. So you need something to help you. Otherwise, you're going to go to Target or wherever. And you'll be like, I want this. I came out with a cart full of $1,000 of clothes for steampunk. Right? That's that's not going to do you very well. You'll go to Tucson Thrift, which is, uh, if you're here locally, I cannot recommend Tucson Thrift to you enough. It's a wonderful resource. It's a great thrift store. They love the steampunks. They have some sort of, yeah, some sort of fun hats that are inexpensive that you can easily decorate without fear of like taking a $500 fur felt hat and putting a hole in it, which gives me like palpitations. But a $50 hat with some holes in it, whatever. <laughs> I love the hat. Or magnets Or magnets instead of holes. But sometimes you want holes. True. Because it's hot here. And venting your hat is a good idea. <laughs> you ask me how I know. <laughs> No, my course is not too hot, but I did faint from a hat once. <laughs> it's too hot. So, um, so having some kind of guidelines that you set for yourself are helpful. The other thing to think about is the story you want to tell with your wardrobe, the, the details that you're going to put into it to present your story. So one of the ways I failed at being the steampunk traveling linguist, is I had no story with my costume. It was a really cool brown costume. It's beautiful. I loved the fabric. I was really excited. The corset was truly terrible, but whatever. I, I loved it. It was my first one, and I cried over it and bled, and so I wore it until it killed me, because I made some terrible mistakes. Um, and so I loved the the fabric making and, and the costume making and the, you know, those details. But there was no story. It was like, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, like jeans and a black t-shirt. Maybe, maybe in a certain context that's a story, right? But if you see jeans and an I'm here to help t-shirt, there's a story. Right, what, who's she, why is she here to help and who's she helping with? I mean, I, I know, <laughs> but I mean, there's a story, right? So this is our fantastical world that we created, and we each get to come with a story. We're not cogs in the machine with the lover turning the cogs. And so have that story in your costume. One of the fun things about steampunk is all of the gadgets and all of the accessories and details and the fun you know, kerfluffle you put on your person and, you know, whatever weird thing you've created in your brain that you've brought to life into an amazing piece of art, that's part of the fun. And for me, that's part of what drew me to the genre. But it's so, I mean, like, it's so great to have that story. So how do you present the story of your accessories and your props and the things you've built? How do you it together. What is the unifying force? Is it your personality that you want to display? Is it your career you want to have in the steampunk world? Is it some broader story about steampunk you want to tell? Whatever your story is, it's grand and it's good and you, you should tell it and people should get an opportunity to hear it. And part of doing that is adding the detail, right? So with my steampunk linguist, I didn't have a recording device. 
I didn't have a notebook to write down the things people said. I didn't have like some great big ear horn that was like making people wonder why is she wearing some great big ear horn? And then they'd come up and ask me, I'd be able to tell them, I'm a steampunk linguist and I'm listening to you really hard from across the room and I'm counting your phonemes. No, no, they, all they saw was a lady in a brown dress. And it was a nice brown dress, but that's what they saw. So for instance, darling, if you'll stand up, all right? I don't know your story, but I'm going to pull out some of your details because they're fantastic. You've got wonderful indigo hair. Why? That's interesting. You've got these really cool goggles with these little things that slot over them. Ooh, I wonder why she's got that. Does she need to look at, like, fine detail? I don't know, but I'm curious. She's got a really big gun. It's almost like half your height. That's very serious. Should I be afraid? I don't know, but I'm curious. Maybe I should get behind a table and then ask you about it, right? You've got this beautiful bandolier with stuff on it. I'm curious about your stuff on your bandolier. Look at how much story she's got. We don't know the answers, but there's a lot of story in that costume. I can't see the boots. Uh, I, I will take everyone's word for the boots are... Oh, those boots are bloody brilliant, aren't they? <laughs> so, yeah. And they match your hair. Look, look at all of that detail and story. Now, there are some sour pusses outside of the community who will sometimes write on the interwebs, oh, those steampunks, they just put lots of stuff on their costumes. They jangle everywhere and they look like they're going to fall over. That's my sour puss voice. I mean, whatever. They're not, they're not involved. Who cares what they say? They're just a voice on the internet. Isn't it exciting that we jangle as we walk? Isn't it fun that we're covered with storytelling items? Isn't it cool that we make these things and people are curious about why we're wearing them, embrace it. Make it part of your wardrobe. Find the details, put them together, run with it. Sometimes you have to run with it until people are like, you really beat that horse dead and then rode it some more. <laughs> I, think, I sometimes think that's the way my tea shtick is, right? Because I've got tea everything, teaspoons, teaspoon necklace, teacup holster, tea utility belt, tea other things, which we won't talk about. Tea is everywhere in my costume, in my life. So I've, I've ridden that horse and beaten it to death and ridden it some more. It's fine. People ask me all the time, like a massive hook for me in conversation. Everywhere I go is my teacup holster. People will stop me from across a crowded convention. They've never seen steampunk. They're like, why do you have a teacup on your belt? And then I get to tell them my story, right? And if they're interested in steampunk, well, I mean, they've met a steampunk person and they have a bridge and they know it's all right to be a tea lady and not just an airship pirate. They do have airships, but they're not pirate airships. They're tea airships, totally different. <laughs> Swear I do not smuggle tea ever. <laughs> that is his, wait, no, what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So um, do you have any questions? Maybe we can direct the conversation a bit that way. Raise your hand if you have a question, yes. Uh, you know what? So sometimes I have a saucer, but this is a special cup. So um, I got this at TeslaCon, and I did not get a saucer with it. And so my shtick, being what it is, that's all right. I usually don't bring the saucers to tea dueling or teapot racing because it's too easy to use them as frisbees or boomerangs and assault people and then break the crockery. And that always makes me very sad when people break my crockery. So I've just like outlawed saucers at the tea dueling table. You know. Earl Grey. Yeah, oh, you're an Earl Grey fan. <laughs> yeah, boom, like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of the Earl. Yes. So, it's a great question. <clears throat> no, I do not think it matters. 
Here are my reasons why I don't think it matters. A, steampunk encompasses time travel. Who's to say you haven't been time traveling and picked up your favorite accessories from every stop in time and incorporated? B, it's a fantastical genre. The rules of historical fashion and actuality need not apply to our fantastical world. Maybe Spencer jackets just kept on as a popular accessory rather than falling out of fashion. Um, you get to make that call on your own. The C, or the third thing, is that uh, from an actual historical costuming point of view, if you want to like needle someone, if they're giving you a really hard time, and they're like, oh, that's a Spanish jacket from the 1870s. I can't believe you're wearing that with an 1886 ensemble. First of all, ask them what they historical reenact with, <laughs> because I don't know many steampunks who are going to be that persnickety. Um, but from a historical costuming point of view, we, we look at the pictures and the historical record, and those are usually formal instances of people wearing their best, put together very well. But we know from looking at actual garments that they get remade, taken apart, recycled, different classes. Um, if you were upper class, you might change your fashion very quickly because you had the funds. But a middle class person could not have kept up with that. And a lower class person definitely didn't give a fig, right? They were like, whatever, your bustle's changed. That's nice. I'm in a factory. My lungs are full of cotton. I'm happy to be alive. I don't care what my bustle size is, right? So dress would get recycled down and remade. Fashions would linger in different classes. Um, the wealthy did hand down their clothes to their servants and their, you know, the valets and their ladies made to get remade. So, so somebody may be persnickety, but if you want to give them a run for their money, the truth is that things lingered anyway. So I see no problem doing that because imagination is on your side, time travel is always on your side, and really history is also on your side. Yes? Yes, and good. Yeah, see part of his story. It's beautiful. Yes? It's a good question. By the way, I like your ears. It's grand. Um, so I can kind of blame my friends for everything in a good way. I'm, I really love them. They're lovely. Um, so quite a few years ago for a birthday, some of my friends uh, brought me a red and black hat. I had nothing red and black. I'd made this really exquisite orange plaid ensemble that I wore around that I really like. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good outfit. Yeah, I still have the skirt. Um, so I, I made this orange plaid. I was really excited, and I'd made this really cool um, Balkan ensemble with a Romanian blouse and... Um, a lot of gold embroidery on it. It was very shiny. It was good. I sparkled in the light. Um, and these friends gave me a red and black hat, and I was like, I really like it, but I have nothing red and black. And in fact, so I have ginger hair. It's natural. And when I was a very little girl, I'd been told, gingers cannot wear red. You are not allowed to wear red. It looks bad on gingers. I was like... Oh, all right. I mean, the fashion magazine told me gingers can't wear red. It must be true. And my grandmother had been like, oh, you know, you should wear yellow. <laughs> that was a terrible phase. Fortunately, I went goth after that. But, um, <laughs> or a lot of black. <laughs> yeah, for a long time. So I get this red and black hat, and I'm like, I'm not allowed to wear red. I have red hair. I don't own a single red thing. I didn't have a red shirt. I, I, had I didn't have red jewelry. I didn't have red lipstick. I had nothing red in my life. And secretly, I really liked it. 
It's really exciting. I was like, well, all right. I've got this red hat. Clearly, it was a gift. I have to wear it. What are the fashion magazines going to say about that? I have to wear it. It was a gift. And uh, I need something to wear with it. I guess I'll have to make a costume. Oh, Dawn, that's a hardship. Twist my arm. And so I was like, I'll just make a Red Queen cosplay. That'll be fun. Oh, we're doing this Alice in Wonderland theme event. That'll be good. And I need something to wear for Phoenix Comic Con. Great. I have all the rationale. I've rationalized making a new red and black costume. It's just because I'm cosplaying. No one will complain that I have red hair and I'm wearing red. I will tell you a secret. Literally, no one has ever come up to me in my adult life when I've been wearing red and said, you're breaking some sacred law about gingers wearing red. <laughs> so, so I made this costume to go with a red and black hat, and it was a smash. Like, everybody was like, wow, who are you? We've never met you. I'm like, we've been talking for two years. <laughs> Where have you been? I don't know. I was standing next to you for the last six months. And it was like, suddenly people were like, oh, I want to talk to you. It was really fun. So then I was like, oh, yeah, I've got this big costume. I just spent, like, 60 hours building it. Maybe I'll make some more red and black. I can mix and match. And then I was like, oh, this, well, I guess I'll keep making red and black. So it kind of took off. But that's how I started. It's my friend's fault, not this friend's, different friend. And they broke my terror around the fashion industry showing up at my house. I, they're going to harass me about other things first. <laughs> like if Tim Garn ever shows up to my house, he'll be like, those socks, darling, what are you doing? <laughs> they amuse me. And that's your reason? Yes. <laughs> and I like polka dots and stripes together. <laughs> so, but no one's come after me for the red but I was really afraid at first I hope, and I hope you learned something out of that lesson right I was terrified petrified of doing something I liked that would be fun and I came into steampunk and I was still terrified and it gave me this vehicle for saying fire on that I'm going to do this thing and it's become like the best thing in my life do you know how many red items of clothing I have now like half my bloody wardrobe is red I wear so much red all the time and no one ever stops me on the street and they're like gingers aren't allowed to wear red <laughs> never happens and and it's unlikely, no matter what you see on the internet, on social media, some person somewhere that you've never met who's giving out dictates about what steampunks can wear, no one is ever going to come to your house and say, you're breaking the steampunk law. That costume piece is not okay. No one's going to do that. And if someone is so rude and so unfortunate or so crass, at an event to say anything to you about what you're wearing ever. First of all, you can send them to me and I'll talk to them. And that takes care of it pretty quickly. Um, but really, they're probably not involved in the community, first of all, because I don't know any steampunks like that personally. My experience is everybody's been like, that's cool. Oh, I like it. Where'd you get that? How'd you do that? How what, why'd you choose that? What, what was the story you're going from, for? So there are no, there's no like dictates or, or steampunk fashion hit squad. Yes? It's not steampunk to say that's not steampunk. That's right. Good point. I like that. It's one of my favorites. So another question. Yes? Do you believe that um, dressing as steampunk makes you more confident as a person? Um, boy, yes. So it's complicated. It's a good question. I'll try not to get too personal. But a lot of things changed in my life. The big thing was that I moved here from elsewhere. And it took me about two years to find out that Tucson was cool and that there were fun things to do. I was very lonely for about two years. And then after that, I only had friends that had been someone else's friends, my, my husband at the time. And I was, I was very lonely, and I didn't have much of a social circle, and I'm an extrovert, so that was terrible. Um, and so I found steampunk, and suddenly I had a community, and, they, and everybody I met was like, hey, how are you? It's really nice to meet you. You're awesome. I'm like, oh, you're really friendly. 
cool? Can I come play with you? They were like, yeah. And I was like, can I throw events? And they were like, ooh. And then I started throwing events, and they were like, let's come play with you. And so the big thing is I started having a, a big community to participate in. And it happened to be the case that I was a steampunk community. Now, there's something glorious about wearing really big costumes. And of course, it will make you stand up at attention, even when you're like, I haven't slept in 24 hours. I'm so tired. I'm, my posture's really good, though. <laughs> Give me more tea. I'll be fine. Whee! Um, so in a way, it was more the community and having really dear people in my life who were artists and creators and doing their own thing, telling me I could do my own thing too. But I feel that while the steampunk part of that may not have been the primary motivator, the thing is steampunk, for some reason as a community, just happens to have that kind of spirit. I don't know how other communities are necessarily, although I suspect they have something similar, like the guys next to us, the Halo guys, they seem really tight. Like they're having a grand time and they're like, yeah, we're gonna 3D print this, and it's gonna be awesome, and we're gonna put teacups on it. I'm like, that's great. I really like you. I'm super excited about your team teacup halo armor so they seem like they're really tight-knit and friendly too sometimes i think it's just having the community but steampunk tends to be welcoming friendly encouraging and because there's so much overlap between steampunk and the maker movement there's also a lot of encouragement to express yourself and your art. And I don't know anything that's more confidence building than having people tell you, no, you should tell your story, I want to hear it. You should make your art, I want to see it. I'm going to tell you how cool it is because it is. I mean, that's, so I don't know if that answers your question. All right, good, it's a good question, yes. All right. So for those of us that are like starting out um, and can't make our own clothing, yes. Like right. Uh, do you have places like around town that are the easy places we can go? So I do have some resources I recommend, and I also am going to give you some tips on how to change things without sewing. Yay! So um, because sewing need not be, you know, a preventative. Um, so Tucson Thrift, fantastic. Um, we have someone in the room who has a shop. We go into a bazaar. They sell amazing, you know, uh, arts, accessories, beautiful jewelry. Sorry, I'm like, they're cool. They're words. Um, so there's some accessory makers in town. Uh, down on the floor, you've got uh, the Peculiar Magpie and um, some other vendors like that. Michael Sorensen, who has the Peculiar Magpie, is here in town. And he makes big props, guns, interesting props, jewelry, eyepieces, goggles. So he's a great resource for that. And um, then I think one of your biggest, biggest resources is going to be any thrift store ever. We really love thrifted items. And so you can take that item and make some changes to it. Um, another good resource off the interwebs they're up in Mesa, so the shipping is very quick. You don't have to do like, oh, I need one day shipping because they're two hours away, um, is the Wild West Mercantile. And really, like, there's a thing. We live in the Southwest. We have this history of the Old West to pull on. And so we have all these Western reenactors, and all of their stuff is like 19th century stuff. And it's very Western, and it's very historical, but I mean, we can take that and make it anything we want, steampunk, and it's ready-made, and it's a variety, and you've got trousers and skirts and dresses and, you know, separates and vests and shirts and all the things, and hats um, of a wide variety, and so that's a good resource. But this is the other cool thing, is sometimes people buy those things because they're like, I'm gonna go to the radio in costume, or I think I'm going to get into sass, and they're like, no, that was a terrible idea. And they send all of that to the thrift store. 
And then you get it for $2, which is the best. This is the best. So um, should you get something from the thrift store, right, and you want to change it, you don't like the color, you don't like the cut, you want more trim, you want more pleats, you want more ruffle, safety pins are your friends. So are staples. No, you know, why not? Staple it in place, cover it with more trim, staple that on, cover that with trim, safety pin it, no one will see. Who cares? Oh, leave the staples of visible. It's steampunk. Why not? It's more metal on your costume. Good on you. Notice I did not mention hot glue anywhere in that list. I was like big on staples or safety pins. You can use glues, fa fabric glues, fiber glues. Um, don't use hot glue. It will melt here. If you live in upstate New York, you can probably get away with it all day long. You could glue your entire costume together, be fine. But here it will melt probably at the most inopportune time because that's Murphy's Law. So um, there are some fabric glues I like, like Fabri-Tac um, that you can get at Joann's or Michael's. You can glue all of your trim onto your costume. Really, no one is going to check and see if you glued it or not. Half of us have glued everything. Um, I glue things all the time. I'm like, I don't want to sew it. I'm going to glue it on, especially if it's a parasol. I'm going to glue it on. I don't want to sew around the spines or whatnot or take it apart. Um, the staples look very punk in a 1980s sense, and meshing an actual punk aesthetic with a 19th century look is kind of a fun thing to do. Um, safe, same with safety pins. You know, you can hide them, you can make them visible, you can chain them together, you can hole punch something and use some ties to tie it together, like some ribbon. Always you can modify without actually sewing, right? Um, there are some adhesives um, that you can use that are better rated for the heat, like E6000. Um, it's highly toxic though. So if you should be using E6000, please do so in a highly ventilated space or with a rebreather on, which is cool to get a rebreather because you can wear it in your costume later because <laughs> we're steampunk. Um, in terms of color, if you don't like the color, just check the tag. If it's cotton, wash it first in very hot water if you don't love it just as it is because it could shrink and you want to find that out before you do the expense of dyeing it. And um, cotton will dye up, no problems, every time. Cotton is easy to dye, linen is easy to dye, um, hemp, dye it like crazy. Rayon will take dye pretty well, right? Um, wool and silk also dye up very nicely but you need to use a different process than what you use for the plant-based fabrics, which are the ones I just listed. Polyester is a different story, mm. right? You have to get specific dye for the polyester. Now, beautiful, did you dye that? Yeah, the acrylic Yeah, so show, show everyone, see? Right, so the acrylic will not take the dye the same way as the cotton, or at all, maybe. Depending. That, I, like, I like the way it's two-toned, though. It's really pretty. Um, so nowadays, you can get polyester synthetic fiber dye at um, Joann's and Michael's. It's called eye poly, I think. Um, like the little eye with the big P, sort of like it's the eye part of dyes. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that works, but whatever. Um, and it, you can do it at your home, and it has directions. It's pretty straightforward. Um, in terms of the cottons and the plant-based fibers, you can use RIT. RIT's a standard, classic, tried and true. Make sure you have lots of salt on hand. Um, there are some better dyes available. I like Dharma Trading for dyeing. And uh, they have all the instructions right there. And dyeing is not sewing. Right? You don't have to be able to have the hand-eye coordination. You just have to be able to have the time and the patience because dyeing is a very lengthy process. And it can be messy, so wear rubber gloves. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll end up with red hands. Yes? Um, 
yes. different question. Yeah, I, well, first of all, so... It has to be with fire. Yeah, right. So you're setting stuff on fire. Don't let your three-year-old do it. Um, you can go on the interwebs and you can find out how things flame, wh whether they melt. If it melts, it's synthetic. That's easy. Um, if it burns, there are different kinds of burn that can tell you. Is it cotton? Is it linen? Is it silk? I really don't have that off the top of my head. But there are differences that you can determine. The good news is, if it melts, it's synthetic. That's very easy. Um, it's, it's a great way to tell if you've got a blend, if you've got something that feels like it's cotton, or feels like it's silk, but it's actually like acrylic or polyester, or, you know. Um, I don't think rayon melts, actually. It's rayon so doesn't melt, because it's a plant. So, so but look on the internet if you need to do that. And do it with care because you don't want to singe a part of the garment you really love. So, you know, they always talk about doing it in the hem. Do it in part of the hem that's going to be hidden, not like the front hem mid-center where everybody's going to be like, there's a burnt hole in your shirt. <laughs> I mean, I did that once. That's why I warn you against it. So that's a good question. Did I answer your question as well? Yes. Any another question? No? Good? Yeah, yes. Um, for picking out like accessories, I, this is like a really general question. No, right? good. So, General's like, good. Just, like, first of all, make sure your accessories are not going to hurt you. That seems like a no brainer. But I've, I've picked up a couple of accessories over the year. I'm like, oh, these are so fantastic. I put them on, I'm like, I'm bleeding. Or I've got a terrible, like, I've got this beautiful pair of antique glasses that I got. Because I'm nearsighted and I really do need glasses. But I hate wearing my modern glasses with my costume. Because uh, I'm, I'm neurotic and I have OCD. That's, that's true. It's not an exaggeration. So I focus on some weird details. Oh, thanks, I'm the next panelist, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Great. Um, so, um, but I got these glasses, they're really cool. I put them on, and the one ear wire, like, it stabs me in the back of my ear, and it rubs me raw. So my first bit of advice is check the fit. Make sure it's going to actually be comfortable. No matter how cool the thing is, you're going to have to put it on your body and wear it, maybe for 12 hours, because you don't have pockets, so you can't take it off and hide it, or it's too big to hide. So check comfort. The other thing is there are lots of people locally right here who have stuff you can go see in person. Every convention has at least a few great steampunk vendors. Some of them, like Wild Wild Westcon, it's, you know, a phantasmagoria of vendors, and you're like, I need a keeper. I need staff to haul my Luca. Um, the other thing I like to check is how it's put together. So it's the same thing with fabric. I check, is it, is it using glue? What kind of adhesive did they use? Is it hot glue? Personally, I won't buy anything made with hot glue because I'm going to have to glue it again and again and again and again um, because the glue will melt in our heat. Um, so I, I look at the way it's put together. That's very important for me. I like things put together with eye rings or rivets or solder or, you know, a really strong adhesive. There's a word I'm looking for, something other than adhesive that glues stuff together. Epoxy, thank you. Thank you. Good. I can read your lips, apparently. So, epoxy, so, something like that. So, check the fabrication. And then I also look at, once I've gone through those practical things, I look at what story does this piece tell? Is it just really pretty and that works for me because I'm into pretty things? 
That's a good story. Is it a time travel ring? Oh, I need it. I'm a time traveler. It, oh, gosh. There's a gentleman walking around. You may see him. He's doing a steampunk Odin. He has these massive black raven's wings on his hat. He also has two small faux metal raven skulls on his hat. I don't know where he found them, but I want them. I don't know why I want them. They don't go with anything I wear. I want them. Anyway, um, so those are so perfect for his costume. They really pull into the story. So that's the next thing. I'm like, does it work with my story? Sometimes that really saves me because I see so many things that I want. I'm, I'm like a magpie. I go through the vendor hall. I'm like, yes, that too. Oh, no, who are you? You're my best friend now. It's so shiny. I'll come up to you like a cat and just purr. And so, <laughs> you know, so it helps me because I, I am one human. I have only so much body to decorate. I have to have some, some sort of guideline. My color scheme helps me. My my tea obsession helps me. Some other features of my story help me. Um, but I can also go to some of these local people and say, hey, you're nice. I like your work. I d nothing you have works for me, but you live five minutes away from my house. Do you ever take, you know, commissions? Could, I, could you make something that fits my character? Uh, or I really like this item, but I don't think the hot glue is going to work for me. Do you ever use a different adhesive or another epoxy? Because I'm really, really hard on my items. Like, this would be my spiel. I'd be like, I'm really hard on my items. True. I'm outdoors in the heat a lot. Also true. I run around for 14 hours a day. Hot glue is going to die on me because I'm a terrible person to my accessories. Do you have anything stronger? And sometimes they'll be like, you are a difficult client. I do not need you. I'm like, you're right. I am terrible. I'm sorry. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I mean, it's cost more, but I can do that. Then we talk about it, right? So I don't know if that helped. I hope. Okay, good. So we have, technically, although I've heard the next panelist doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so novel. I'm sorry, it's a real aside, but I've never had my panels scheduled back to back to back in the same room. Usually they're like, get out, you're talking too much. I'm like, I'm sorry, next panelist. So I'm like, whatever. So technically we have 10 minutes before the next panel. So if you have any other questions, I'd love to answer them. I have plenty of water. I'm good. I'll drink some more. I have had a third of this bottle. Any other questions? No? Thank you so much. I hope I helped you think about your wardrobe. Thank you all for attending. If you want to know about how to make your character to go with your wardrobe, that's up next. Yay! Oh, thank you for being here. It's good to see you, lovey. It's good to see you too, hon. All right, have fun on the floor. Sell lots of things. Well, have fun teaching people how to play games. Bye, cheers. What is your name, darling? Hermione. Oh my gosh, I love that name. I mean, I really love the character from a certain book named that. I think it's exquisite that that's your name. Yeah, and, uh, and you, madam? D. I, I love this that you're wearing on your... I'm going to go raise my children's closet. Perfect. That's There you go. I mean, it works. It works. Your shoulders are warm. That's a big thing. Sometimes the corsets, you're like, wow, that's a lot of skin. And it's cold in here. Come in, come in. Are you Cassiel? Oh, delightful. Have a seat. Hello, I like your tights. Those are charming as everything. Wait, are you Dean? Yeah. Get out of town. <laughs> I have a dirty secret. I relax by watching Supernatural. It's like meditation for me. I don't even know why. Zen, Zen supernatural meditation, that's what I do. I put it on, I'm like, Dean, listen to more Journey. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I like Sam too, but there's something so terribly broken about Dean. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 40. I should be so over that. All right. Oh, so um, thank you so much. I just love... I've seen you walking around a bit, and you look fantastic. So glad you came. Are you here in Tucson? Did you get our Tucson Steampunk Society flyer? All right, good, because I'm going to... I walk around with a bag, and they just drop things in my bag. I'm like, did you get it? There you go. Yeah, we're, we're online on the Facebooks. I'd love to see you all at some of our events since you're local. And that's true for all of you who have not visited our booth, um, the Tucson Steampunk Society booth. That these two have stopped by, and we're in love with them. It's the dimples. <laughs> um, no, actually, you're very nice. It's not just the dimples. Yes, madam. Oh, no, you may never see it, ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Hold on, I'm stuck on a cord. Another red and black costume. I like the socks. So, <laughs> thank you. You said you have a bit of dust in your socks. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, we're, we're kind of getting ready to transition, but um, I like all the details to come together, and so I have an obsession with the socks as well as my headgear, and feel like those details really help. So I am a junkie for this store called Sock Dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah, all stripes. You can get everything there. And, like, and you know, the thing is, they will tell you how much the socks stretch. Oh, wow. So you can tell, oh, this will fit me because my calf is this size or my thigh is this size. They have sock garters, they have sock glue, which doesn't agree with me because I'm a ginger and we're fussy with our skin. It's a genetic problem, and that's not my personal problem. Um, I mean, it is, but it's not like an opinion. It's just like genetics. So um, they have all the accessories. They also have gloves, which is great because I'm cold all the time and I insist on going to Canada and it's freezing. It's beautiful. It's cold. It was September. I had no idea that could happen. Um, they have some other little accessories like that, but the socks are extraordinary. They have long thigh high striped socks, they have ankle socks, they have socks with, you know, characters on them and little stories, they have all the socks in the universe. And tights. I, and tights. I don't get the tights. I wear too many clothing layers to wear tights anymore. <laughs> that would be a terrible life choice. You'd hear me crying in the ladies and weeping and I start, can't do anything, I wore tights. Um, so I wear stockings always, but they have them all and they're fantastic. And they will tell you not only how much it stretches, but the care and the fiber content and you know all sorts of details. They're very, like I cannot pimp this store enough. They're fantastic. And they're not that expensive. <coughs> like these were $8 a pair for, for these, right? And they're so comfortable. They're cotton. They wash like a dream. They fit really well on my big legs. I love them. So, yeah, look what you did. We talked about my socks. It's really good. like your bow. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a moment to throw more water in my face. And I know it's the custom here at conventions and everywhere, especially classrooms, to hide in the back of the room and not fill up the front seats. First of all, I have, I have something I have to warn you about. There is no hiding. I'm nearsighted, but I see everything. And I will find you. So um, I'm actually going to encourage you to come forward and fill in the, the gaps, because we're going to talk a bit about improv and building your character 
in this next panel, but we're also going to have some improv games. Yeah, Dean Castiel, you're not too cool for school. <laughs> no, I like you, but you're not too cool. Get up here. Join, join the fun. Well played, sir. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening. Technology things and science and Tesla and such. I'm just going to throw words out there and eventually they come together and they make something equating with a sensible thought. Okay. Sometimes more quickly than others. <laughs>